0: Welcome back to The Hot Dish. This is Heidi Heitkamp, and I'm excited to be doing our podcast again. Um, this time, it won't be so much about what's happening in the Senate as what it will be about what's happening in rural America and what we need to do to fix it. And obviously, um, people who listen to this podcast know that I'm a Democrat. Um, I ran for uh, re-election in uh, one of the reddest of red states. Um, didn't make it, obviously, but because um, I'm not in the Senate again but um, it it occurred to me that what is happening with the with the polarization in America is happening all over the country. And rural America is struggling trying to find um, a, a path forward for viability economically. And I think they're very concerned about what's going to happen into the future. Um, one of the things that I believe is that in order to keep rural America vi- viable, we absolutely need to make sure that we have a um, uh, two political parties that are operating and competitive in uh, rural places. And I think um, historically, um, many, many small farmers were uh, willing and able and and uh, very excited to vote for Democratic candidates, whether it was FDR, whether it was John Kennedy, whether in fact it was even Barack Obama. Um, but one of the things that you're seeing now with our political culture is it is getting more and more um, uh, difficult to uh, bridge those regional barriers. And so um, we, uh, Senator Joe Donnelly and myself, have started a new project called One Country. And we're going to talk about why we did that and talk about what those numbers look like in our first podcast. And then hopefully as we go on and we um, do additional podcasts, uh, we'll be talking about specific issues, whether it's trade or whether it is taking a look at, um, you know, flooding in rural America and what does that mean, taking a look at uh, viability of housing and health care in rural America. And so this really is going to be a political podcast about rural America and what we need to do to address some of those concerns. And so joining me today is uh, my friend, and uh, co-founder of um, one country, uh, Senator Joe Donnelly. And Joe, I know a lot of people are really interested in what you've been up to and um, you know what your day looks like and why you've gotten involved in this project with me.
1: Well, I think it's absolutely critical not only to the Democratic Party but to the country because we want to make sure that everybody's voice is heard, that um, our friends in rural communities, our friends in urban communities – that everybody's view is considered, and for Democrats to not uh, spend time in rural communities is a real loss not only to their own campaigns, their own viewpoints, but to the nation, because uh, there's so much to be learned in in rural communities. How can we develop the economy so that uh, young people who grow up there, that if they want to go to the cities, they can, but make it because they had a choice as opposed to they had to leave the rural communities that there's good jobs good broadband um, that there's respect for their viewpoints that we have good hospital opportunities for them too, good medical care and um, we have to show up Heidi almost more than anything is if we don't show up they're not folks are not going to listen and to run a campaign and to win in places like Indiana and North Dakota And in in parts of Michigan and Pennsylvania and Ohio, which are going to be critical to uh, to the presidential, you have to be there. You have to look folks in the eye. You have to tell them that you support them, that you're with them. And I think that's really important.
0: Well, and you have to know what their challenges are, and how do you know that if you don't spend time in rural America? And so the the one thing that I would say, and and people say, well, this is all about you know just Democrats winning. What I would say is this also about rural America winning, because when people just take your vote for granted, which I think a lot of Republicans do now, take that rural vote for granted, it just means that they aren't delivering um, always on on the promise. You take a look at the president's budget, for instance and look at the dramatic cuts that were made to rural development, the dramatic cuts that were made um, to the farm program, including crop insurance. And you look at now what's happening with trade and farmers are bearing the brunt of this trade war, which is really being fought to make sure that tech companies have viability in the future in the in the Chinese market. And so it's it's just really um, important, I think, that we as Democrats give rural voters a choice. And we, in order to give them that choice, we have to show up, and that's really what One Country is about. And, you know, with us is Doug, who is our great numbers country, uh, cruncher over there at um, One Country, and we wanted to bring him in in our initial podcast to have him talk about what he sees in terms of the demographics, what he sees in terms of voting patterns, and um, where where we're failing as the Democratic Party in reaching out to rural voters. So, Doug, you want to offer up some words of wisdom for I, our listeners?
2: I will, and thank you for having me, Senator. I think all of us uh, sat on election night in 2016 and were not just disappointed that President Trump won and that Hillary Clinton lost, but I think more problematic is that we won the popular vote. We won the popular vote and lost the electoral vote, and for those of us old enough, we recall that happening in 2000. What we also saw when we looked at the data is one of the reasons we lost the, lost the Electoral College is because we don't have support in rural voters, in, in rural counties. And if you take a look at the swing states that we lost, you see Michigan, you see Pennsylvania. Those are places where despite Democratic gains in urban areas, the fact that Democrats were able to turn out Philadelphia, to turn out Detroit – that we went so far down in rural counties that we couldn't make up the difference. And it's really sad, not just for a party that used to be even in rural voters or lose by 10 points, to become a party where we're losing by 30 points, 40 points in places that were once a part of the Democratic bedrock of their votes. Uh,
0: There's no doubt about it. And so um, what do you you see in terms of, everybody looks to 18 and said, it didn't work out so well for me and Joe, but um, certainly um, the Democratic Party took... uh over the House of Representatives, became the majority party there, and a lot of people saw massive um, Democratic turnout. In fact, I think our numbers show about 7% more Democrat votes nationwide than Republican votes, right?
2: That's right, and that's great news for the House, and what we saw was a victory for Democrats in the House, and we shouldn't downplay that. That's important. It's a positive effect, and we're all pleased to see what's happening with respect to investigations and holding Trump accountable to some extent.
0: So did we do better in rural areas then in 18 as I'd say, well?
2: I'd say the, 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 the answer there is more mixed uh-huh. because we had some improvement in some rural areas. Those were dispersed around the country. More problematic is when you look at the Senate. Tough races for you, of course, and for Senator Donnelly and for others that were defeated, even Senator Manchin and Senator Tester, who won. They won by the skin of their teeth. The reason was because lack of rural votes. And then if you take that seven-point margin, And you translate it to a presidential map. Mm -hmm. So you take that, take every vote, and pretend it was for a president. Democrats win, but just by a couple of electoral votes. We literally need to bake in 5 or 6 percent majority to take the Electoral College. And just as a comparison, if you look at how we did in 2018 and turn it into a presidential vote, we won the popular vote by seven. That leads to 296 electoral votes. (laughs) As you know, just 26 more. By contrast, in 2008, Barack Obama won the presidency with the same popular vote at 7.2, but then he won 365 electoral votes. By losing rural votes, we've dispersed our votes into places that were safely democratic and becoming less competitive for presidency and even less competitive going forward. Uh, for the Senate.
0: Is it a demographic ch- trend or do you think it is a, a voting pattern change, Doug?
2: I think that it's a mix of the two. I think there's some demographic changes that show that rural counties are becoming more like Trump voters and more like Republican voters. With that said, there's a lot of rural counties that are extremely diverse, uh, concentrated in the South and some parts of the West mm-hmm. uh, with both African-Americans and Native and Americans. And Native Americans. Um, But it's also the case that where we need to be competitive, we become less so. And the problem there, as you sit in election night and watch these counties fill in in blue and red, we watch the disappointment that we didn't have before.
0: We've got some great um, charts that uh, basically explain all this. Can you tell folks where to see these charts if they're interested in looking further, Doug?
2: You can find it all at onecountryproject.org. There's direct data right on the homepage and there are links to find more data and details.
0: Uh, Joe, when you listen to that, do, do you think that that I- exactly describes what you see in Indiana? Oh,
1: a hundred percent. What you find is that where you or I may have lost by ten or fifteen percent before, now it's twenty five or thirty percent. Yeah. And that difference um, can swing an entire state. It, and it is it is something where you and I did much, much better than uh, Hillary Clinton did. We outran our party by 15 to 20 points. That 15 to 20 points was because we were in those communities, because people had trust in us, because people knew us. And what we've lost is that connection of people knowing who we are and that we have their backs.
0: Don't you think, You obviously, you know, we ran pretty sophisticated campaigns, which involved a lot of polling and a lot of focus groups. And what was interesting to me is that when you said, what's the one negative thing you can say? She's a Democrat. And I know that same thing was true for you, that, that the most negative thing people could say about you in focus groups and polling was that you are a member of the Democratic Party.
1: Right, and we have to rebuild that trust with rural communities. I know that you felt the same thing and and saw the same thing, is that when the election was about um, our Republican opponent versus Heidi, Heidi won. When the election was our Republican opponent versus Joe, Joe won. When it became just a straight litmus test of Republican versus Democrat, um, the numbers were crushing in rural communities. And so... Um, that connection, that personal connection, and getting folks to understand, look, we have your back. We have your back economically. Um, We're going to work hard to end this destructive trade war that we see that has caused prices to be below the cost of production. We're going to work hard so that uh, people understand how much we respect your faith, your family, your community, um, that those interests of yours are the same interests of ours. And we have to talk about those things as well as urban issues and, and suburban issues in our party.
0: So when you're out on the road, you're you're visiting a, a great friend of yours who's Which I am also a right veteran, right? And, as a matter of fact, right. And so when you're out on the road and you're you know kind of attending events, and I know you still you're still a Hoosier and you're still out there fighting for um, your state and for the people of your state. What are you hearing right now? Um, what are people concerned about? Um, you know, I just read a big story about um, the. The, uh, GM plant closing and, and how discouraged people are in, in Ohio. Are, are you finding people pretty optimistic or people more discouraged in Indiana?
1: Well, I think that uh, they're optimistic about the future of our country. They know that there's some tough times in agriculture right now. You know, what's interesting is, uh, as I mentioned to you before we started, I pulled off on the side of the road because uh, cell coverage is so spotty that there's some areas that are good and some areas that are bad. Well, they want to make sure that their children don't have to go to grandma's house at night to do their homework, to connect to the internet. They want to know that in their local communities, that there's job opportunities so that they can, um, hang on to the farm, that they can raise their kids right there in the town that, uh, that they've grown up in that there's a good future for them. And so, um, what, what I see is that when we talk to folks about the future of the economy, about our vision for it, um, they buy in. That when we talk to folks about the fact that, look, uh, I'm a church just like you are on Sunday, and we have, uh, or, or Saturday at Temple, we have the same common interest to make sure our kids can have an even stronger, better America. Um, you know, there's folks in our country in so many places are fed such a steady diet of things like Fox News, which is, um, which is not a fair, per, uh, a, a fair picture of who the Democratic Party is. Um, you know that, that they always show urban issues and those issues and, and um, in, in effect almost often have a, uh, have a narrative of, oh, they've forgotten about you. Well, there couldn't be anything less true. I, I'm on the road right now. I've just met with uh, some veterans in in Indiana to make sure that their coverage and their service is good with the VA and the VA health centers. I may not be in office anymore, but I sure as heck care about making sure that they get decent health care. And when you do that, when you show your life is is important to all of us. I think that means something.
0: And I think it actually might mean more because it's no longer your job but it is it is your passion to to help folks. And I think it's really interesting that um so many people in our party say, well just forget the rural areas. We we just um you know, we can't ever win there and it's been that attitude for the last 10 years that has driven these numbers. I mean, you know, I talk about North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas. Those weren't all ruby red for, you know, the last 50 years. They were not. They're almost equal representation during a lot of those years, Democrat and Republican. And it wasn't that long ago that both Dakotas had um, uh, 100% Democratic delegations. And so, you know, when... When you when you look at it, they, they we had the trust at one point, and we've lost that trust. And so, when people say Doug that you know, well, what we'll just let it go. Yeah, don't don't um, don't even bother because those people can't be persuaded anymore. What what should Joe and I be saying to them, Well, to those Democrats who are so smart about you know abandoning rural America.
2: Well, I think the first thing to to tell them is that there's a real math problem here, and I hate to go right to the numbers but in the end, you want to win elections. And when you, when, you, when you drive off a swath of the electorate that represents states, each of which have an important role to play in presidential elections and in Senate races, you can do that, but you face serious consequences. And for those who say they don't care about us, they'll never believe us, if you take a look at the issues on the issues, we have great solutions. Democrats have great solutions that they care about. But as both of you said, the fact that they come from a Democrat is problematic. So not only could they support the things that we all care about, they do. Could they vote for us? They might. But the identity issue right now, the cultural issue has gotten to the point where the way that Democrats speak and the fact that behind Democrats are a lot of folks who say things like we should we should just give up on them. Really makes it difficult to cut. Well, through.
0: I think it's a shortcut because they they want to propose solutions that that a lot of people who who are moderate who live in rural America think are too extreme, and so um, it's just easier to say we're going to win with an extreme position. And quite frankly, I don't think that's ever a winning solution. Plus, I don't think that you lead by promising things that you'll never be able to deliver, giving the given the political realities. And so we should be talking about people. You know, I, over the weekend, Joe, I, I rode in the um, in the bike uh, ride, uh, motorcycle ride, um, over Memorial Day, Rolling Thunder. And, you know, it's supposed to be the last one. And honest to goodness, I, I would not be exaggerating if I told you there were over probably a million and a half bikes that rode or um, bikers who came into the city to watch. And I, I will tell you, uh, the guy I rode with, Bobby, who is we got to be great friends? He had a he had a big patch I'm glad on. i you his, weren't driving, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was too. Anyway, so so he had a patch <laughs> on there. Bikers, you know, bikers for Trump. And you know, if we don't learn how to talk to each other and kind of bridge those gaps, we are we are not ever going to be successful as a country. Never mind politically successful. And so, you know, I don't know that Bobby would ever vote for a Democrat. Um, I don't think he he historically has, but I think knowing someone like me and, and knowing that I love the flag as much as he does, and I love our vets as much as he does, and I love our country as much as he does, we just have maybe different solutions. And, and I think that there's a, there's a real opportunity to have a message that is unifying in this election. But we can't just say unifying as, as a buzzword. We've got to actually mean it, which means we have to go and play to places where we haven't done so well and start listening. And, and I think that's really the message.
1: Economically, our message to rural America is a better message because rural America is small business. Rural America is farm. Uh, yeah. Rural America is a place where their, their income is very much like the people who Democrats uh, have traditionally worked with, that it's not big business. It's not the people getting huge tax cuts. It's the folks who sit at their kitchen table at the farm and try to make the numbers work, which has become much, much more difficult in the last year or two. Um, When we're talking to farmers, they're willing to listen right now. They may not be willing to vote with us right now, but they're willing to listen. And as soon as we continue to build that trust, then you have something.
0: Yeah, you know, I made the point um, in an interview recently about um, the trade aid, Package that the president is advancing again because of the uh, trade war with China and, and the trade disruption really across the board um, with even some of our best allies. And so uh, I made I made the point that the program that he's using, which is the CCC program, the loan program out of USDA, is a FDR program. It's a it's a great uh, you know it's a New Deal program. And so when you go and you look at you know the the Republican solution to a farm program the big the big movement once they had it was freedom to farm which was freedom to fail and you know we've since found bipartisan support for a crop insurance program that works pretty well to provide a safety net but it's not going to make farmers profitable and it is tragic to see what's happening right now and i think there's an opportunity to say look we've got a different way of addressing the concerns with china we've got a different way of looking at this where where you don't bear the brunt and where you don't get accused of, um, you know, uh, walking to the mailbox to, to get your welfare check. I mean, these farmers are not happy about how this, I mean, you know, what they will tell you is we want trade, not um, uh, a handout. And, and so when you look at it, it's, it's so important that we offer not just sympathy and concern, but real solutions. And one of the issues that I know we will be talking more and more about is rural health care. And you know, and I know in rural America, some of the most important and significant services that are provided is in, in health care. But it also is, is where a lot of people are employed. It's where that second paycheck comes to pay your, your health insurance when your husband is farming or your wife. Wife is farming, and so it's it's a it's also a really critical issue. And when you look at what the what the president has said uh, about the Affordable Care Act, basically wanting to wipe it off the face of the earth, in states like yours and mine that actually have expanded Medicaid, that's been a lifeline for rural hospitals.
1: Yeah, these programs have been um, absolutely critical. To, uh, to making sure that we continue to have medical care in our communities. You had, same as I did, people coming in our offices talking to us about um, if we don't continue with the Affordable Care Act, if the Medicaid expansion doesn't continue, we're going to have to close our rural hospital. And so what we have to do is uh, continue to meet our rural friends and to let them know culturally we're, we're, we're the same that we care about our faith, our family, our community, and it's pounded into them on a constant basis by what they see on the media, that, oh, um, Democrats are not culturally connected to you, that, that we have your heart. And um, you know what, it's just not true, but they hear it and see it all the time. And, and what happens so often is that the most extreme example is uh, put in front of them on a constant basis saying Democrats are socialists, Democrats don't believe in God, Democrats don't believe in the economy. Nothing could be further from the truth, because um, I sit just like you do at the kitchen table trying to figure out how to make ends meet, trying to make sure that our economy can continue to grow, that my family's doing okay. I go to church on a Sunday. And so, um, look, I'm a lot closer on so many of these things, on views of small business, on rural health, um, than anybody else they could find. And, you know, they just need to know that on a regular basis.
0: Absolutely. And they need to hear from people like you and me that aren't on the extremes, people who want real solutions. And so that's why we formed One Country. And so I want everybody who um, has listened to this podcast, if you're curious about what we're doing, follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. We're at One Country. Um, it's at, uh, Our our webpage is onecountryproject.org. And you will find a whole wealth of information about ideas of how we can revitalize rural America, but also why it's so important to have political diversity in rural America, not just for the Democratic Party, but really for, I think, rural America. One-sided um, uh Governance is never good. We need we need to have that opposition. We need to have the marketplace of, of different ideas. And I think that's what Joe and I are um, talking about. That's where we're asking uh, many of uh, the Democratic leadership that agrees with us to join our one country project and uh, make this work and, and tell people just by forming this group, uh, tell people in rural America, we're still out there fighting for you and uh, give us a chance and give the Democratic Party a chance. Thanks for listening. And if you're really interested and you want more information and want to actually see visually what we're talking about, join us at onecountryproject.org.